The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. Uh, I, my name is Luke and I'm at the table with Dave and Ben. Hey guys, how you doing? Are you though at yeah. the table? Oh, I'm at the, <laughs> the, uh, the I was going to say the spiritual table, that's not what I meant, the virtual <laughs> table. <laughs> the spiritual table. Well, I'm, I'm at I'm my sitting... desk. Yeah, I'm at my desk too. <laughs> mm. We all are. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm well, so, I guess I we mean... can call that a table, I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. We can't be called desk talk. Talk that'd be weird. True, true. <laughs> I cannot wait. Like I mean, as we've mentioned to our our listeners on more than one occasion, the eventual plan is for us to actually have a a dedicated space for the podcast. You know, so we actually have a studio. Then we will have a table that that, that is permanent and you know all that. Then I can say that right. So until then, I have to say, Oz desk talk. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Let's not let's not be called Oz Desk Talk. That's weird. No, no, that is that is really hard to say. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Desk yeah. and talk. Mm-hmm. Two words that should not be side by side. Yeah. Anyway, so, how you doing, mate? Oh, me. I am. I am doing all right. I I know that this is kind of old news to you guys, but I don't think I've mentioned it on the show before. But I've actually taken Dave's example, and I have started being one of those strange people who runs when no one pursues them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I have like the cheap version of Spotify where I have to listen to ads. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the ads they have on Spotify all the time is like uh, about skipping because, you know, they're trying to get you to get premium and then you don't have to skip the ads, right? Or yep. you can skip mm-hmm. songs you don't like and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. so they say that skipping is like running, only fun. And every time they say that, I'm like, what? Running's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, well, so welcome to the, the crazy world of doing things that aren't fun, Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to be perfectly honest, the only thing that I think makes running fun... Oh, actually, no, there's two things that make running fun. One is that I can listen to podcasts while I do it, so I'm down for that. Yeah. And secondarily, the other thing that makes it fun is that I'm a very competitive person, and so the fact that I can look at the app on my phone and see my numbers reducing as I get better or my distance extending, the fact I can measure it, then I can get excited about it. So, those are two cool things. The running itself, still not so much, but... (laughs) Sweet. Well, one day we'll have to run together, Luke. Oh, yeah. You'll be like double my pace right now. But yeah, let me, let me catch up a little bit first. Yeah, so. I, said, I said one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking about taking up a little bit of running myself because I've got to... It's really good for when you're cutting weight. So, mm-hmm. I was going to actually go back and start running again. See if I can actually do a mile in a reasonable amount of time. Because hmm. yeah. I reckon I'd be lucky to get it under 15 at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, I actually had a, had a milestone today. I know it's small, but like I, I actually ran consistently for one full kilometer before having to reduce my pace. So, uh, it's the first time I've oh, done nice. that. Oh, so. nice. Yeah. I mean, that's to be honest, that's not bad. I mean, I'm sure your, your pace you're not happy with yet, but... No. I, I <laughs> probably only run for my faster pace for the first kilometer, so... You know, yeah, mm. it's probably fairly all right to be kilometer as your the mm. place where you start slowing down a little bit. 
Yeah, well, I'm seven. I've only run seven times since I started doing this. <laughs> so it's not exactly a lot. Anyway, but before we turn this into a sports podcast, which it isn't, let's get on to our Humans of Adventism question. So I think you've got that, Ben? Yep, I've got it tonight. And the question is what is something that makes you anxious? Apart from somebody running after you while you're running. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Luke catching up to my pace. No. <laughs> Man, dude, you are four and a half feet taller than me. That is not likely. <laughs> four and a half feet. <laughs> Mate, you make me sound like a basketball player. I'm not that tall. <laughs> Compared to mere mortals like Ben and I, you classify. Mm. Um, anxious. It's a good question. When we say anxious, do we mean like like afraid anxious or do we mean like stressed out anxious? Anxiety anxious. Yeah, stress, high levels of stress is how I would think it. Just university in general. <laughs> you say university? Yeah, yeah, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, uh, I, I think I would say... Um, there's, a, there's a few things that spring to mind, but probably top of mind is the wasting or losing time like uh, right now because my time is at such a premium you know being being a dad and only having limited hours to work and all the rest of it when i when i miss out on opportunities to do things or i procrastinate and i lose time and then i run out of time for whatever it is that i'm trying to achieve i i have this anxiety baseline which i've got to be really careful of because if I let that get too high, then I start becoming, I'm not sure what the word is, but basically I, I, I start becoming a bad dad, <laughs> you know, because then everything the kids do that makes things take longer, you know, they make a mess, they throw up on the carpet, whatever it is that interrupts my day and makes it longer. When I'm trying to win back time, all of a sudden I get anxious and then I get cranky and I get frustrated. And so I have to be continually aware of reducing those anxiety levels, reducing my expectations to meet with reality. So that would be what the sorts of things losing time makes me anxious for me at the moment it's a little bit to do with work just making sure everything is nice and crisp and clean because i'm just starting off in a couple of years as a cpa i get quality audited mm -hmm. and i want to make sure that everything is crisp and clean so if the ato was to look at anything that i've done so that's the tax office mm -hmm. they would just go yep You've done it all good, and my clients never have to know that the ATO is looking into them because everything's there for them. Hmm. And I'm trying to basically perfect all my processes for that at the moment, and sometimes I'm pulling out my hair going, well, I haven't got a process for that, so I've got to make sure all that's not crisp and clean for them and everything else. Mm -hmm. I'm very particular. It's good that you're thinking prevention, though. That's mm. such, a, such a good way to think about it, rather than being like super stressed down the track when you've got an audit coming. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like it looking at this way. You do it once, you do it right, and you never worry about it ever again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, good way to be. Good way to be. Yep. Uh, what about you, Dave? Yeah, well, I said I said uni. I meant uni. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did say. I forgot you had said no, that. <laughs> I'll be more specific, though. I think when I have a deadline coming up is probably the worst time. Because I'm trying to manage so many units of study all at once and trying to do well, yeah, sometimes I get too closer to a deadline than I wanted to because I've been working on another unit and then there's this deadline coming up for, say, maths, for example. Completely hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. um, yeah, yeah. Say there's a math assignment coming up and, um, yeah, realizing, wow, there's a lot of work to do between now and that due date. Yeah, I get a bit anxious. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Math is not fun. And this is coming from the accountant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, you know that conversation we had a while back about internal monologue? Yeah. Don't, mm. don't ask me that question on one of those days. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because all of a sudden when the deadline's on the horizon and you're, you know, struggling to answer a question or whatever, it's because you're stupid. Like, it's the only possible reason, right? Whereas yeah. if you were three weeks out and you looked at the question like, I'm not sure, you're like, oh, that's okay. You'll get to it. Whereas mm. when the deadline's coming, it's like, you're an idiot. There's just no yeah. other reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, having, having said all that, to get to our topic for this particular discussion, I've been thinking about friendships and uh, I suggested this question because... Don't you have uh, any, mate? <laughs> I don't know. I should ask you two. Think you think you could do with some, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, Sorry. I was thinking of trading in a few that I got currently. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ben. We're out. <laughs> We're out and the news in. Yeah. Not that I have a clue who the new is. Anyway. Um, so, basically, thinking about friendships and who makes our friendships up. And actually, one of the key ideas that I was thinking about was... I don't know if you guys have heard this uh, this concept that you, know, you are the average of the five people that are closest to you, right? The people you spend the most time with. And uh, I was thinking about that for myself, thinking about the people that are around me. And then I started thinking about how that relates to our spiritual walk. And, the, and I don't know how I got along the line anyway, but the question that came out the other end of this process was, well... Should we only have Christian friends? Because you know, if we do want to have only the best influences around us, we want to get closer to God and all of those sort of things. Then should we only have Christian friends, or should it be a mixture? And what should that look like? And all the other stuff that's attached to that. So, there's a really big assumption in there, and that is that the best uh, influence will come from Christian friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not always true. No, not always true. This is absolutely correct. But I think that's one of the things that's worth kicking around. So, yeah. I don't know. What are some of your preliminary thoughts? What, what springs to mind for you at the question? Dave, that's obviously a good one, that there's a whopping great assumption stuck in the middle of the question. Yeah, so it de- I think it also depends on, like, if you're only considering be- being a good Christian, then, you know, like... A- but see, I can't even say that because to me, being a good Christian doesn't just mean being ready for heaven. So, mm-hmm. anyway... My whole argument for saying this is wrong. I'm just going to disclaimer, Luke. You'll be happy to know. <laughs> but it depends on what your what uh, avenues of your life you're looking to improve, right? Because if mm-hmm. if you're going to use the average of the five people you spend the most time with, thing, yeah, then sure. If you want to develop your character, surround yourself with five you know solid character people, right? But if you want mm-hmm. to become a better accountant, Ben, then hanging out with Luke and I is not going to help with that. No. So it really I've got depends. No chance with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? We're corrupt. <laughs> Don't answer that. Um, <laughs> so, like, it just really depends on what your desired outcome is. I suppose is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's a good call. That's a good call. So, mm. let me. Yeah. So let, let me let me ask this question then: Is there a danger to having friends that aren't Christians? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, oh, did you want it's, to it's not an explain. easy one to answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this could be a very short podcast if we're not actually going to explain what we think. <laughs> uh, so you explain yes or no, Ben, and I'll explain the other one. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always going to be that pull to do non-Christian things. We're coming from non-Christian friends, but if you're 
at least somewhat established in your faith or at least you you have a um, direction in mind where you want to lead your life, it shouldn't be that much of a problem as long as you've got Christian friends as well. Mm. And I, I feel that they, they kind of counteract and pull the other way then. So, and the other thing is your non-Christian friends, yeah, they're, they're going to want to take you out to places that you wouldn't do as a Christian. But at the same time, they're not there to corrupt you. They're just they're just doing things that's fun for them. Yeah. It's it there's there's no there's no agenda to lead you down the garden path. Right. And and so ultimately you can just say no. Like if, exactly. if whatever they're doing is not compatible with your worldview, then you know, it's fine to just be like, Well, you know what, I really like you guys, but I'm not gonna come and join you in, you know, going to the pub for a drink or whatever if you if that's part of your worldview mm-hmm. that yeah. you don't don't consume alcohol, for example. So yeah, and yeah. your friends are going to be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like I mean, I I can't think of a single time in my life where I've had a, a non-Christian friend who who wasn't understanding of my convictions. You know, exactly. they they might not get it, but they understand that that's what I think, and they're they're okay with that. Yeah, mm. and if anything, they'll probably respect you more for not just going with the flow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think in most cases, that's definitely the case. So, mm-hmm. I think, yes, there is some danger associated with it, but only if you're going to be reckless. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to make good choices in spite of the you know what's popular or whatever, um, then I don't think there's any danger at all in associating with people who aren't of your faith. In fact... I think that's our calling as Christians. You know, I mean, it's pretty hard to be an ambassador for for God who makes a difference in this world when you're only hanging out with people that agree with you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, hello. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's also. I think on the flip side as well. I think it's not good for us to stay in our own echo chamber. I think it's actually healthy for us to be challenged in our faith because it gets us thinking as well, and that's how we grow as Christians. Yep. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I suppose this is just saying the same thing but in a different way, but I think we, we can learn a lot from people who are different than us and that can then broaden our perspective and the way that we relate to the world um, so mm-hmm. that so that we can be a better Christian. So mm-hmm. in some ways, I feel like you're limiting your Christianity if you're not hanging out with people who aren't Christians uh, because then you're you're limiting your scope to only what you ever see in the Christian world. Yeah, there's a fine line in here because... I mean, I've, I've actually <laughs> recently spoken to someone and I was having this conversation about friendships and they were saying that you should never have, uh, you know, your close friends should all be Christian and, you know, you, but anybody that is doesn't believe the way you believe, you should never have them as a close friend. They should always be an acquaintance and the motive should always be to convert them. Right, you know, you should be befriending them with, a, you know, with a, the idea in mind that you're going to share Jesus with them and bring them over to your way of thinking. How did you respond to that? <laughs> um, I tried to be as diplomatic as possible, but my my thinking is, can you imagine if God treated us that way? Can you imagine if God said, well, I'm only going to reach out to you. I'm, I'm not going to love you. I'm going to keep you as an acquaintance unless you happen to come over to my way of thinking. And if you don't do that, I'm going to cut you loose. You know, like yeah. if yeah. God didn't treat us like that. And I don't think that's mm. how that should be how we are treated either. I think there is a there is power in loving people for the sake of loving people. 
And mm-hmm. I think if you are loving people specific with the specific idea of converting them, then I don't think that's attractive at all. As a matter of fact, I would call that manipulation. So, that, that was you being diplomatic, was it? <laughs> no, no, no. That, that, that's me being... You are manipulative. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, actually, I think I did say... I, I didn't come out and say it quite that uh, harshly, but I pretty much did say that. That I think that we're, we're, we're not showing God's, uh, God's character to them in that case because we're then treating them uh, in, a, in a way that, you know, there are means to an end, so, so to speak. Yeah. We're trying to get brownie points, whereas that's not really the, the way that we should be thinking about it. And as far as having people that are our friends, then, you know, if, we are, if we're honestly loving people, they're going to be your friends, you know? And mm-hmm. the thing that hinges on this, and this is what you, I guess what you were saying, Dave, is what hinges on this is you having a character that is strong enough... To decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. That should be the the primary goal or the, the primary consideration, not getting rid of your friends because they don't believe what you believe. Right. So, just out of curiosity, did you, after saying that, did you drop to acquaintance level? <laughs> as in with them, do you think they... Uh... Yeah, like now that they know you don't believe the same as them. Are you now an acquaintance? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, I got a I got a look that sort of indicated <laughs> that they didn't agree with me. But yeah, no, d- d- didn't quite sorry. get that. Sorry, sorry, that was a bit mean of me. Um, yeah, I, I get it though. It's it's a very it's a protective attitude, right? You know, we mm. need to protect our our religiosity at all costs. And unfortunately, one of the costs that we don't often consider is the fact that we can't be a follower of Jesus <laughs> and mm. have that mindset, you know, because yeah. like Jesus had Judas. That, mm-hmm. Isn't that enough said? Mm-hmm. And oh. you know what? I, I want to be, I, I still want to be careful about what we're saying here because I also think that what we're saying, if misunderstood, people could take that to mean, you know, hey, I'm going to keep bad company, you know, like I'm going to go and throw myself into these cultures, which are going to lead me to do things that aren't right, you know, and, for mm. people that want to do that, they could take this, what we're saying and utilize that as a, as a tool to get themselves into that position. But uh, I think if we're approaching it from an honest perspective, that you know you honestly don't want what that per- you know what those people are, well, the life that they're living, then I don't I don't see an issue, right? I don't see an issue yeah. with it. <laughs> That's just the world we live in, though, bro. You do a Google search, you can come out with whatever you want to believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, any of our conversations, somebody listening in can take it however they want. But yeah, I appreciate your your disclaimer. It's mm. um it's very valuable. I was also going to ask like at what point in one's life do you think it's safe to take this philosophy on? Like for example, would you feel comfortable with your son going to primary school, Luke, having all of his friends as non-Christians who could potentially be bad influences? Mm. This is a really good question, and this is one that I I have given some thought to uh, along these lines because I'm trying to figure that out for my own kids. Where is the line? I think the challenge is not trying to protect them from that because my initial response, to be perfectly honest, my initial thought was, yes, I'm going to protect my kids from it until they are of an age where they can make those decisions for themselves. That that was my initial gut response. Then I thought to myself, wait a second, if I... If I take them out of that scenario, they'll never build that decision-making muscle, right? They'll never be able mm-hmm. to make those decisions for themselves if I take the decision-making capacity away from them. And so, 
I think the way to protect them is to actually expose them to it in a controlled way rather than trying to shield them from it. Right, exactly. I I would agree with that. Uh, How many stories have you heard of kids who have been overly protected from their parents and the moment they get away from their parents, they go wild? Mm. Yeah. Yep. I actually think the best way to, to accomplish it is not to shield them from it, but to make sure they have friends that are good influences outside of that, be that via church or mm-hmm. whatever, but look for influences that they can relate to that mm-hmm. they can, so they can see, wait a second, I am, I am still normal, right? Like, you know, if this is the path for my life, this is still a normative mm-hmm. approach that I can, that I can take. And this makes sense. Yes, my friends at school, they do this and that and the other, but that doesn't mean I have to follow them. And so, mm-hmm. I, I think we need to find a way to balance their experience, but not cut their experience. Yeah. Hmm. I had a little chuckle to myself in- internally because it sounds very much like an arranged marriage. <laughs> like, you, you can be friends with them so long as you're friends with these guys. Yeah. I, 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 I absolutely got your point though. And can I just be Captain Obvious for a minute and just say, um, I think... That would be first and foremost you and Sarah, right? You mm. you would want to be you would want to have a friendship if we can put it that way with your kids, so yeah. that when they experience something that they're like unsure about, the first people they talk to is going to be you, right? Yes. And because so, yeah, I was gonna sure. I was gonna ask you you answered it before I had the chance to ask it, but uh, I was gonna ask you what preventative measures would you employ rather than restricting your kids from being in an environment where there are people that think differently than them. And you said expose them to a controlled environment. And I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, one of the ways to do that is to, mm-hmm. to be person that your kid feels mm-hmm. closest to so that um, when they have that, you know, going on in their life, they, they can then turn to you. And that mm-hmm. is instructive then for us when we grow up, um, we're no longer kids. Uh, we need to have somebody like that. It might still be our parents, right? You know, I think mm-hmm. probably for you guys, that's definitely the case. You'd probably mm-hmm. turn to your, your mum and dad uh, if you had something going on that you wanted to get some counsel on. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, me, me too for, for, with my mum. Yeah. And But then you also want to have those people that you you can, you know, associate with probably your closest friends if we can take something good out of that person's argument the closest friends in your bubble probably are going to be people who see things uh, a bit like you do and so to have that as your almost your litmus test if you like where you can filter new things or discuss the challenges of you know navigating a friendship with somebody who wants to do things that you don't feel comfortable with Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do plan to do with my kids, and the reason I share this is because I think it's instructive for us at, at, at an adult level as well. One of but one of the things I want to do with them when they get to the you know perhaps yeah their early teens and they're in that point where they're reasoning well and those sort of things. But I want to encourage them to find the very best arguments that the influences around them have and wrestle with that. I don't want them to not question. I actually right. want them to question everything really really effectively so they can Mm -hmm. reason their way through. I I want them to be able to take a position, you know, let's say take the position of an atheist or take the position of a different kind of Christian that sees, you know, God differently, take their position and find the very best arguments they have and then answer it from their own worldview. So they Mm -hmm. learn how to dismantle these ideas so they don't fear other people's ideas. Because I think you know, in my case growing up, mum and dad did a good job of ex- exposing me to a bunch of things, 
but one thing I wish I had have done, and, and I don't think this is any deficiency on mum and dad's part, it's just something that I didn't do personally in my own head. I never looked for the the hardest arguments and tried to overcome them. I was just like, oh, cool. Well, I believe the right thing, so, so I'm all good. I, I was a bit, in, <laughs> I was personally intellectually lazy and I wish I had have taken a bit more care in that. But I, I think if, if we look for the, the strongest arguments, not the weakest ones, and do the straw man thing and try to then push them down, I think if we try to, if we're intellectually responsible, we explore the, the opposing perspective and then make our decisions based on that, We'll be, we'll, we will fear what other people think a lot less because we've already been there before them. We probably have stronger arguments for their perspective than they do themselves. Mm-hmm. And so we, then we have nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. And you're certainly not going to be able to be in a position to do that if you don't meet and interact with people outside of a very limited um, Christian bubble. Yes. Because they're all going to think and do the same sort of thing. So it's a case of you're never going to be challenged for everything. It just reinforces your worldview and you, you can't debate these other um, these other worldviews. You can't think like them. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, and as you said, it, it sets us up into a kind of a weakened position with our, um, with our Christianity because we, if we do what you say and go out, we get to know people, get to know these other ideas... It's a case of, well, we've gone down that rabbit hole before. We, we know their worldview. We know it potentially better than they do. Hmm. It's a case of, well, it's it's certainly not going to be a threat to us. I mean, I think that I think that's the reason why Christians often think that we we should limit how much we interact with the outside world is it's it's kind of coming from a place of fear, isn't it? Yeah. They could convince us otherwise. Yeah. But if if we're thorough, why would our Christianity be so fragile? Yeah, mm. how bizarre is that, really? When you when you stop and think about it, that we would run away from ideas because we're scared that we would be wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. C.S. Lewis, uh, I think I, I wish I could remember the exact wording, but he said something to the effect of, "When asked how would he defend the gospel, uh, he said I would defend the gospel in the same way I would defend a caged lion. I would let it out." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a great attitude to have. Exactly. You know, we have nothing to fear. Like, if we simply let our our worldview out of its box, then it's the most powerful thing going. So, you know, why would we be afraid? Mm. Yeah. Or, or if it's not, for the sake mm. of not sounding completely arrogant, yeah, um, we get to find out the truth. Yes. Right? Yeah. Which I mm-hmm. think, if we're if we're an honest-hearted Christian, that's what we want, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. So, why would we be afraid of that? It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yet, like you said, that's that's the default position that we find ourselves in. So, you said you wanted to ask a question. I do. How do you guys pick your friends? Or historically, how have you picked your friends? It's funny, funny thought, really. It's funny. They, don't, they sort of pick you most of the time. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. it just depends where you are, right? It's a fairly organic process for the most part, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting question. I don't. I don't think I've ever been in a place in my life where I've been hunting for friends. Mm. So it's kind of uh, like I've I've made friends in the settings that I'm in. So when I was in school, I made friends at my school. When I was at work, mm-hmm. I would make friends with the people I worked with. Yeah, church obviously, and then now with university, I obviously hang out with these people a lot through study. So making friends with them. I yeah, actually, that's that's interesting realizing how limited I've I've been with that. I don't think I've ever really gone out and tried to make friends with people at like, you know, any sort of club or anything. I suppose church mm-hmm. is my club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I guess the reason I ask the question is, you know, if it is supposed to be, you know, or I guess it is important for us to ask ourselves that question because if we, I mean, in your scenario, Dave, you know, you're going to uni and so, you know, you have other options, but for people where who only go to church or that is their only social circle, then they are pretty much just defaulting to the same echo chamber of people. They're going to hear the same ideas. They're going to be talking to the people that sound like them, look like them, you know, all of the above. And so I just find it interesting that we give such attention to other areas of our life, like what we're going to eat, what we're going to believe, what we're going to do, what career we're going to have and all that, but we don't give any real thought to where we're going to connect with people. Yeah, and so the, I guess the objective of my, my point there is to get to the place of saying if we want to be well-rounded individuals and we want to have the opportunity to bless others that are outside of our circle, then we really should be meeting people that are outside that circle and figuring out how to do that. I, I really admire, and I, I don't know that he'll listen to this, but if I think of it, I'll, I'll have to um, let him know. But there was a guy from last church that I used to go to. His name's Brett. And if you're listening to this, Brett, yeah, long time no see. Glad you're actually listening. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Brett, awkward. yeah, I know it was. But Brett really uh, impressed me. He did something that was totally, to my mind, you know, being fully engaged with church and all the rest of it. He did something that, to my mind, was completely out of the box, right? Brett went and signed up for the SES. You know, he was mm. he'd never done anything like that before. It was totally out of the box for him. And he even like stepped back time-wise, stepped back from church responsibility and all the rest of it to go and and you know, volunteer for SES. And he is, at least at first glance, Brett is not the kind of guy you would expect to be doing that kind of work. And I said to him, you know, so what was the attraction? Like, why do you want to do that? And he said, well, I just realized that all of the people around me already believe what I believe. If I was going to, you know, broaden the people, like the number of people, the kinds of people that I speak to, I can't do that in the situations where I currently exist, you know, in church and that. And so I wanted to do two things. I wanted to serve and I wanted to meet you know, new people that think differently than I do. And so I went mm-hmm. and joined the SES and I'm like, wow, I respect that so much that he put the thought in to go and do that, you know? Yeah. Mm. So I don't know whether this is what you were getting at before um, or not, but have you guys ever actively been like, there's somebody who's a part of my life that I don't actually want to be friends with. Yes. Like like a colleague or a, someone you see a lot at church or maybe that's a little bit... That might be taboo to talk about people that you don't want to be friends with from your church. So, we, we might not go there. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, you said yes, Luke. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. And I had a, a friend who I spent a lot of time with in my very late teens and... He was he was very prescriptive, I guess you could you could say. He was very angry at God, and he only really wanted. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good way to put this, but basically, he was very forceful with his perspective, and it just came to the place where I, I was getting more and more involved with church, and he was getting more and more angry about that because. What, he hated God or the idea of God, and so there was uh, that unspoken friction i guess and and sometimes spoken and the stuff that he was interested in the stuff that i was interested in just became a lot less uh connected to one another and i basically had to make the decision that us hanging out together was only making him angrier and it was and all the stuff that he wanted to do was only pulling me away from what i felt like i could do and 
if our relationship was more like what you were talking about earlier, Dave, where you know he was the kind of guy that could say, yeah, man, you do your thing. That's all good. But mm-hmm. that wasn't the kind of character that he was. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't do that. And so I did have to let him go as a, as a friend. I would have been very happy and would still to this day, I would be totally keen to reconnect with him. But um, just the way things were at that time, that wasn't a possibility. What about you guys? I can't think of any. I don't really have any uh, more controversial one, that negative feeling for what I'm doing sort of mm-hmm. situation like you had, Luke. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it was a case of my life's going in this direction and the mm-hmm. my friend's going in the other and it's kind of a case of more drifting than anything. Yep. Yeah. And um, you stop seeing them as much. You start seeing other people, other friends, a little bit more because you just don't have that common interest anymore. That's that's more what happens with me and friends. I don't see as much. It's a case of well, their lives go in a different direction, and I'm always happy to catch up with them. It's not like I haven't stopped being their friend. It's a case of well, we just don't have the same interests as much anymore, and we just don't see each other because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it further and I think maybe maybe not quite so um, deliberately as what you were talking about, Luke, but I suppose I've done the same sort of thing with some people where like it might be a colleague that I work with that mm. I don't mind them as a person. I don't tr- I go out of my way not to be friends with them, but I also don't go out of my way to become tight friends with them. And so mm. we probably have like a very acquaintance level relationship um, and that's probably as a result of me not trying. So I guess there's there's definitely been times where I've I've been like that with some people and probably for similar reasons that you were talking about where you're just like yeah, it's not I don't see this going anywhere positive and so I'm not going to put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Well, the other thing is and this isn't to sound mean or anything, but we've only got so many hours in the day that we can dedicate to people and Ultimately, we need to decide where we're going to put that time and create those relationships. And if a person's going to be a negative thing in your life, investing time in them is not going to do either of you any good. Yeah. All you're going to do is create controversy for yourself and for them. It's, if anything, it's a disservice to get to know them and involve yourself in them if if you think the relationship will go in that direction. Mm. You know, this is actually a, I guess, opportunity cost comes into it. But one thing you're saying there, Ben, reminds me of Dunbar's number. Have you guys heard of that principle of Dunbar's number? Uh, You'd have to tell me what it means. So, basically, Dunbar, there's um, Professor Robin Dunbar. He was uh, a sociologist or something along those lines, psychologist. Can't remember exactly his credential. But um, he, he released a study on people's social groups. And what he found was, on average... People could not handle more than 150 friends. There was not enough social capital in their in their psyche to handle more than 150 friends that you were in regular contact with. And mm. of that, you know, he said people can have, you know, up to there was a, there was a list. I've got, I think I've got the list here somewhere. It, basically, people could recognize on site up to 1,500 people. They would consider acquaintances about 500, friends 150, good friends no more than 50, best friends no more than 15, and intimate friends who you felt like you could just be real with. Uh, Typically, he didn't find anyone that had more than five people that fit into that box. That's interesting that you you would classify intimate friends and best friends differently. I know. I thought that was interesting as well, but that was what his study indicated, so... yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to argue with a sociologist. 
yeah. And it is incredible the number of people you can actually get to know. I mean, I I can walk around town and I can just point to people. I I know at least a thousand people around town mm. because of all the various ways I've got to know people. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but the, I guess the the point of those numbers that I I really wanted to highlight is the fact that we are finite. And so we do have to, and like you're saying, Ben, you know, not not to sound bad, but we do need to pick where we're going to mm. apply our energy because our energy is is finite, it's limited, and so uh, you know, making those choices are, you know, it's going to make a difference. And I think back to what we were saying before about you know, like I was saying with my kids, I would want to make sure that they are balanced by having good relationships as well, so that they have something to measure against. I think that goes for us too. You know, I don't feel threatened by having friends that don't believe the same way I do, but I certainly want you guys behind me, right? Like, I certainly need you guys yeah. in my corner because that is that is where my spiritual growth happens because we can have those discussions, we can grow together, we can have those experiences. So, uh, I think it's important that we do balance our social circles and we give we pay attention to those layers, right? I think mm. those intimate friends that we have, uh, we have to pay special attention to because they're the ones that we're going to acquire their traits a lot more. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Having said that, though, I I think it's important to say that that doesn't preclude somebody who doesn't believe the same as you from being one of those intimate friends. No, mm. I would just caution not to be exclusively people that that are not believing what you want to believe in the long run because you will, you know, if the five people that you would consider intimately close to you, you know, if they are all uh, rejecting what you believe to be true, that would take a lot more work on your behalf to retain your faith. I'll put it that way. Yeah. If they were the only voices around you. Yep. Sorry, Ben, go for it. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I've, I've got atheist friends and it's an interesting um, way because sometimes I'll even ask about what I've been up to with the podcast and what am I doing with my faith and that sort of thing. Mm. And we'll occasionally have those sorts of conversations. Mm. And they're okay with that. They're okay with those sorts of things. It's just they don't want to be reminded of it um, every single second. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can have those conversations every week and be happy with it. But yeah, it's they're just not up to um, speaking about Christian things constantly because it's, it's not a worldview that they 100% relate to. Yeah, I feel like so, we got fairly off topic. With <laughs> yeah, that, but, yeah. It, but it was cool. Um, so mm. just going back to the original, you know, question: should we should we only have Christian friends? I think we're we're pretty clear on the answer is no. Uh, mm-hmm. With you know, obviously the caveat there that you should you know be aware of how many people potentially you're surrounding yourself with who agree uh, who don't believe mm-hmm. the same as you. What else are we saying and not saying? I think we're we're saying that if we're going to be like Christ. That requires us to be reaching out to people who aren't like us. Mm. Yep. So be intentional about that. Mm-hmm. There's there's also a difference between people who don't believe when people don't believe as you do. There's there is a difference between them. Some of them will, like you said, will purposely um, try and lead you down a different path because they just they don't respect where you are. Mm-hmm. But when they respect your position, it's you can have those interactions with them. It's not a problem. Hmm. It's when they don't respect your the, your Christianity that that's when you run into um, problems there. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of that same coin, we ought to be careful about respecting other people's uh, viewpoints as well and not being one of those people for them. 
Yeah, yeah. E- exactly, exactly. Because how can we expect them to respect our Christianity if we're not going to respect them where they are and what they believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Respect goes both ways. I, th- I, I have something else I want to just highlight that you said earlier, Luke, is that we shouldn't fear other people's ideas. So mm-hmm. if that's your motive for not having friends outside of your faith, then I think you need to rethink that. And yeah, just apply critical thinking like Luke was going on and on and on about before. That That's super <laughs> important. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't meant to sound like a bad thing. I just, I, I like the fact that you belabored that so much because that is just the, the most crucial part of this conversation, in my opinion. That we we should not be the you know sum total of other people's uh, minds. You know we should have our own mm. perspectives, mm. and it's just it's dumb. It's dumb not to think for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Unfortunately, sure. society is doing that to us. Where you know believe mm. this, select this political party. You know mm-hmm. that's what the society wants us how how they want us to think. But mm. that's that's not the best way for society to go. It's not the best no. way for you no. to go. So I think this is. Uh, I think we're kind of wrapping. Well, I think we've said everything that needs to be said. Do you guys have any any final words? Anything you want to share? No, no, we're all that's good. A good spot for me. Love everybody. <laughs> Absolutely, mm. that's a that's a prerequisite. So anyway, we will leave it there, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this discussion. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, text it to somebody and say, "Hey, listen to this. It's well worth it." And if you have enjoyed any of our content, please hop on to Apple Podcasts or Facebook. Leave us a, a review. That is that truly makes a difference. People find us that way, and we really appreciate it. And we'll read it out on the show and give you an Aussie nickname. So with that, we will leave you guys. Have an awesome week, and we will catch you next Tuesday. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list so i would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that if you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet you can go over to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us so if you want to help us reach those goals please jump in and give us a review the final message that i'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our patreon account now Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating and ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast and so if you'd like to help us do that jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards but at different levels there are different benefits different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours if you can't afford that we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.